Nicely written, mostly of it's Swami Dayananda. Uh, but uh, I, I improved in the language a little bit, that's all, make it easier for you. It says, a, a simple factual self respectfulness is a good quality. However, most of us have doubts about our adequacy. We secretly fear that we're not good enough and are unable to provide ourselves with the confidence we need to be happy with our lives. So we look to others to validate us. We care what people think. In order to gain validation, we're often tempted to exaggerate our qualifications and accomplishments so that others will think we are special and glorify us. Who, who, who comes to mind right away? Donald Trump, right? Huh? Do you ever see anybody more hungry for validation than Donald Trump? If he doesn't get validation, he supplies it to himself. Because <laughs> he's so insecure. Huh? He said, if I'm completely, if you're completely certain about your talents and your abilities, uh, you, you'll take them for granted and you won't ask, you won't expect to be validated. You won't ask for support if you're, if you're confident. Huh? But if you're not, then you'll want other people to think you're wonderful. They want to appreciate you. You want to be appreciated because you don't appreciate yourself. Right? Demanding, and I says here, <clears throat> Demanding respect from others invites many disturbances because the one who asks for respect is what? Not in control of the result. Mm -hmm. See the problem? <laughs> huh? People give respect for reasons only known to them. They'll love you only for reasons known to them, and you don't know what those reasons are. When their minds change about you, the validation is withdrawn and hurt arises. I told you the story about the lady who fell in love with me, invited me to come and live next door, rented a house for me, and then and changed her mind and then asked me to leave. <laughs> huh? Now, I wasn't hurt at all because I didn't, because huh? I'm a totally self-confident person. So, so, huh? 
So it didn't bother. In fact, I asked. I had the presence of mind to ask her, "Was she the person who uh, who loved me yesterday, or the person who didn't love me today?" Because I didn't see two people there. I just saw one person. So I figured she was confused about who she was. And actually, she ended up moving out. She the truck came two weeks later and piled all her belongings in, and she moved out. And I kept the house next door. So, so what? So when, when a person's mind changes, the validation withdrawn and hurt arises. I wasn't hurt. Understand? Because I was confident in myself. Because I'd, I'd, I'd done nothing wrong. You know, I still cared for her. So just the fact that I loved her was good enough for me. And whether she was there or not there, I wasn't going to change my love. But in her case, she didn't have confidence in herself, in the love, so what does she do? She allows, allows her mind to change. It was actually a younger guy, is what it boiled down to, who, who actually, after, after he moved in with her, about six weeks later, he, he left her, and then she was left without nothing. It was a, kind of a sad story. It says, any form of hurt is due to pride. <laughs> If your feelings are hurt, it's because your pride is hurt. An inflated ego, one that's excessively attached to what it thinks it knows, believes, possesses, or how it looks. People, I notice, particularly women, often dress to, to for other women, not for themselves. They want, huh? The competition thing, because they care what other women other women think. It's really, really interesting. I don't think the men do it quite as much. Maybe they do, but um. for example, body conscious individuals who spend an inordinate amount of time grooming and calling attention to their bodies with expensive clothing, outlandish hairdos, tattoos, and piercings often do so to attract attention they're capable of giving them incapable of giving themselves. Such egos, inflated by pride and vanity, invariably end up deflated when nobody pays attention. And people's attention will wander because they have other priorities. Their whole priority is to make you feel good. <laughs> People are there to make themselves feel good. So if you're relying on them to make you feel good, when they're worrying about making themselves feel good, they're not going to be worried about making you feel good, are they? And if you expect them to make you feel good, then what? Then you're going to be hurt. Isn't it? Think about it. Yeah. So, often they waste time and energy trying to save face or plotting revenge. Hmm? They want to get back at the people who, who aren't giving them what they want. Additionally, it's not always easy to it's not always easy to determine another person's true feelings. Hmm? Do you think those people that are saying yes to, to Donald Trump actually really love Donald Trump? He thinks if they do what he says, that they love him. That's what he thinks. But I think, and it's probably true. They're, uh, they're showing him love because they get some benefit, some power 
Uh, they get the proximity to power. So it's not him that they love. I don't know how anybody could love that guy. He's such a mess. Uh, but they love what he's got. So they smile and they say, yes, sir, and they do what he wants. But in their heart, they're not loving him. And he knows that someplace deep in his heart because when his mind changes, he gets rid of them right away. Even though he required them to like him for a while, he throws them away. See, see the, kind of, the kind of problem that comes when you're proud and you're vain and you're conceited. Understand? Probably most people in this room don't have this, but everybody's got a little bit of that. So you need to what? You need to keep an eye on that value. A person who lives by the opinions of others squanders his valuable mental resources and is not qualified for self-inquiry. You're just wasting your, your valuable mind. Your mind should be what? Contemplating on Ishwar. And so what is the solution to this? Well, inquiry into Ishwar. Huh? Ask yourself where all these good qualities come from. You say, let's say, <coughs> you do have good qualities. Huh? You're very, very efficient. You're very bright. You're very successful. You're very talented. If you feel that you're so talented and successful and bright, where did you get those, those qualities? Huh? Yushwara. Duh. You didn't, huh? You didn't create those qualities. Those qualities were given to you by Ishwara. So why are you claiming them as yours? Huh? Why are you proud because of something somebody else gave you? And even if you think you gave them, then where did you get the energy to... Huh? to develop them, and where did you get the intelligence <coughs> to know how to develop them or know that they were valuable qualities? Where did you get that? Not from you. From Ishwar, from God. So <coughs> you won't take credit and think you're special if you contemplate on what, where your special qualities came from idea. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so pride is a problem, but then there's a problem of pretentiousness. You know what pretentiousness means? Pretentiousness means claiming something that isn't based upon any talent or ability. Saying, saying, saying you're, there, there was a, a young Russian woman uh, who, who is, she's now cooling her heels in jail in America. And she came to New York and she pretended that she was a Russian countess from a good family. And she ingratiated herself among the rich and famous. And... Uh, she got a lot of, she got money, and she got all kinds of, she, she lived high. She lived the high life with the rich and famous, based upon the fact that she's an aristocrat. 
And she always said, you know, the money's coming, you know. Uh, I'm paid. People would give her the money and she'd, yeah, I'll pay you back. My my uncle, he's got billions and he he takes care of my bills and that sort of thing. And so actually she didn't have a pot to piss in. And she's living the life of, of the, the rich and famous. Huh? She's claiming for herself something <clears throat> that has no basis in fact. She's totally pretentious. Hmm? Can you imagine how she felt, how she must, what anxiety she must have had to what? As she was living that life, because she knew it wasn't true. At least a, a, pride, a, a person who's proud of some talents and abilities, at least he or she's got, you know, some, some facts to back up their statement, even though they do belong to Ishwar and is claiming somebody else. In this place, the person has no talents or abilities. Or the guy who lives in a basement, you know, with rats running around, uh, but he has one good suit, huh? And he dresses like an aristocrat uh, with a cane, huh? And he walks out into the cafes, huh? And acts like he's an aristocrat and sits there. And people want to talk to him because he's so elegant, huh? And so they come and buy him a coffee. He doesn't even have the money to buy for coffee, but they like to sit with somebody who looks so good. And then they ask him who he is, and he says, oh, I'm, I'm Count, such and such and such and such, and I'm this and that and the other thing. And he tells him a whole great big story, he creates a huge fake identity for himself. Huh? And he's got nothing. He, huh? It's kind of funny. Huh? It's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Posures. You know the word posure? Yeah. Yeah. They're fakers. So when you, and you know, that this creating a false identity to make, to impress other people or to impress yourself. Huh? Think of the stress that that, huh, that you feel inside. That means you have bad values. That means your value, we call it Matsarya. Matsarya is Rajoguna. And what, what does Matsarya mean? Comparative, comparison. Comparison leads to competition. So comparison means what? You compare yourself to others who either have less than you, which makes you feel good, or more than you, which makes you feel bad. You're always evaluating yourself with who's more beautiful or more rich or more famous or who's you know more poor or more ugly or more uh, deplorable than you are, huh? So your whole sense of your whole values, your whole self-valuing ethic is based upon what? Comparing yourself to other people. Think of how awful that is. Again, huh? Again, you, you, there's just this tremendous stress because huh? because what you are is only valuable with reference to who you are, not with reference to anybody else. So you're not, in fact, looking at who you really are at all. You're uh, you're placing yourself in a structure of uh, of social values that what is completely uh, unreal. And therefore, you're always insecure. So he says here. 
So uh, these are two. Now the next one's called non-injury. You should have a value. Huh? Why is non-injury considered basically the the most the most important uh, dharmic value, positive value? Because reality is non-dual. Mm. Yeah, you don't. You you know what it likes to be hurt, so you don't want to hurt other people, do you? Huh? Isn't there a mutual expectation of non-injury? Don't you expect not to be hurt? Well, then why would you hurt somebody else? And and in what? Now the 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 value is this, and I know it's going to be a hard one. In thoughts, word, or deeds. Huh? That means you, you know violence. You know, like, like the vegetarian and the vegan crowd, they're very proud of the fact that they're nonviolent, that they don't kill animals. Huh? But, but they only get any kind of... Uh, they only get any. They only attain any virtue uh, if what? If they don't injure the feelings of other people uh, with their words, uh, all right, or or uh, or their actions, their mind or their thoughts, the feelings or their thoughts. If they don't inflict emotional harm. In fact, inflicting emotional and mental harm on somebody is even worse than inflicting physical harm on them. Yet, huh? Yet we're happy to say to think nasty thoughts, aren't we, about people? Aren't you happy to think nasty thoughts? Huh? No. If you're not, then here that's fine. But we do it all the time. Because of that, we got this, you know, about other people. Because of that, we have a value for schadenfreude, right? We hope that that person will huh, come to ill. And then, we're, then we, we're happy when when they fall and when they suffer. Because huh? we think bad thoughts about them. And emotionally, you know, you, you get angry and you dump your anger on somebody else. So that's injury, isn't it? So just eating meat doesn't get you off the hook. It doesn't give you any particular virtue. It's a, it's a good thing not to kill animals and so forth and so on. But, but you know, if, even then, to say, well, eat plants. Well, aren't plants conscious beings? Huh? So you're inflicting injury on a plant when you're eating a plant, aren't you? How does the plant feel about this? They, they've shown that plants have emotions. They, they, they show that plant, nothing wants to be eaten or killed. No conscious being wants to be eaten or killed. So, now the point is to be extremely mindful of, of the, uh, the effects of your actions and your thoughts on not only on other people, but on yourself. Because when you think a bad thought, it really doesn't go to the other person, does it? 
No, it stays in your mind and you're injuring your own mind. So as soon as you have a bad thought, you should, uh, you should think the opposite thought and clean that thought out of your mind. You're not putting bad thoughts there. They come up. But what? If you indulge in those bad thoughts and you add more consciousness to it, if you believe those are good thoughts or real thoughts and you keep meditating on them, those bad thoughts will grow and that'll, it'll uh, injure your own mind. So as soon as you catch yourself with a bad thought, you should replace it with a good thought. You say, what, what good is this? I don't want to feel like this. Huh? And the longer I feel like this, what? The more I'm injuring myself, which means I'm perverted. Because I, isn't it? Because you don't consciously injure yourself, do you? And when you injure yourself, your self-esteem goes because it proves to you that you don't love yourself. Because if you loved yourself, huh, you wouldn't injure yourself, would you? So, hmm. So if you don't hurt, if you have a value for non-injury, you won't be hurt. <laughs> and you won't hurt others. Huh? You'll, you'll think before you speak, before you act. You'll think, am I speaking in a pleasant tone? Am I offering constructive criticism? Am I, am I responding to solicit solicited information. In other words, does the person want to hear what I have to say? You should only, only if somebody asks you what, what you think about them or about something, should you tell them? Krishna says in the Gita, the Gita is the source of these values. He says, uh, what, what's, the, what's the word he says? Uh, <clears throat> the a wise people, meaning spiritual people, uh, should not disturb the minds of others, of people who don't understand. Say you're spiritual and you're telling off somebody or you're trying to, you know, get them to be spiritual. He said, he said you shouldn't disturb their minds. You should keep your mouth shut. If they ask you, then and then you should tell them, but in a what? In a friendly, polite, loving way. But we just like to. This spiritual world is full of these psychological people. Who, who there was one guy in our sangha. He was a life coach and a kind of psychologist type. And and he came. He was interested in the Vedanta, and actually he 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 actually got started to grow, but when he first came, he was just looking at everybody in the Sangha to see what was wrong with them. And then he, during the breaks, he'd go over and start to talk with them, and then he'd get them to, to tell their problems, and then he'd tell them what the solution was. Yeah. He was going to fix every. He was, uh, he, it was like a, yeah. It was like uh, he was going to solve everybody's problem for him. You know, this desire to tell to, that I know best, that I see what your problem is, that I can help you. Well, uh, 
Nobody has a problem unless they open their mouth and say, I have a problem, and they humbly ask you to help them. And then you have to do it in a kind way. Otherwise, you're injuring not only them, you're going to injure yourself. And as soon as you start telling people stuff that they don't want to hear, you're, going to, you're not going to get a friend out of the deal. Huh? No way. They're going to start disliking you. So that kind of attitude will come bouncing back at you and disturb your mind. So not injury, big value. Uh, the next one is a, a, accommodation or commodiousness. This is a really, really important value. They're all important. They're, they're all equally important, actually. But this one's particularly important. What, what is this about? This is about making room for people in your life. This is about not being too busy to pay attention to other people. Remember we said in the Karma Yoga ritual was what? Service of humanity? That was the, the fourth ritual in Karma Yoga, the serving people. Now people come up to you and they want something from you. If they come, they want something from you. Now, and, and, and you need to determine whether or not what they want is you can give them and, and whether or not you're willing to give them what they want. But you need to what? At least accommodate them long enough to find out what they actually want and whether you can actually help them. Usually if they want money or they want love or something like that, maybe you can't give them that, but at least you can give them what? At least you can give them time to find out what they want because basically when somebody wants something from you, they just want to be heard. Huh? They just want to be heard. And why shouldn't you give them a little help, a little validation, listen to them a little bit? Uh, oh, you know, it happens to me all the time. You know, when I, when I go to a different country and I meet somebody I'd seen before, they say, oh, James, great to see you. Haven't seen you for a year. Where have you been? And I said, oh, I've been running around the world doing the same thing and <coughs> always have. How long are you here for? And I'll say, uh, oh, three weeks. Oh yeah, I'll call you. I'll get to. I'll get in touch with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get together. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to talk to you and so forth. Yeah, it's great. So incredible. He says, "I'll call you." And then three weeks later, huh? No call. It's too busy. Hmm? Somebody wants something from you, huh? And then you say, "Then you say, oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to." Yeah, I'd love to meet you. Uh, just let me check my let me check my schedule. And then then you you look on your cell phone and see what your schedule is. Uh, oh yeah, we can meet. I've I've got uh, uh, fifteen minutes in three weeks from four thirty four to four twenty seven. You know, on Thursday afternoon. In other words, you don't want to meet them. You don't want to give them some little thing you want because you're too busy. You're too wrapped up in yourself to what? To actually accommodate them. When a situation comes up, you go to a restaurant. There's always somebody in the group huh, 
that, that doesn't like the way the food is or the way they present the food or the menu. And they spend a half an hour arguing with the way, talking to the waiter about what did you, what kind of the food and how did you cook the food and what did you put in the food and where does the food come from and all that, huh? And everybody else is waiting to order. Everybody else said, oh, yeah, I'll have a hamburger. Oh, I'll have, to have a salad, whatever it is. But this person, what? Instead of accommodating everybody, they, take their, they, they, they make everybody wait to order, and they spend 15 minutes making sure that what? That they're going to get what they want first. Huh. That's not cultured. That's not, huh? That's not cultured. That's selfish, you know? Just look at it and say, okay, I'll have it. I'll have it this. It's not going to kill you to eat something. That, it's not going to kill you. No, I've got this allergy. Oh, i got that allergy. Can I go to the kitchen? I had a friend like that. One time we went to five restaurants. She quizzed, the, she, quizzed the, she quizzed every waiter, and she actually went in and talked to the cook in one of the restaurants about what kind of oil he used on the whatever it was, the vegetables. And I, I said to her, I said, okay, I don't, I don't eat with you again, ever. I said, uh, you go wherever you want to eat. I'm going to stay here and eat, and, and I'll meet you later wherever it is. Because <laughs> it was like totally unfair to me. She's dragging me all over the place. She will not accommodate my needs at all because her needs are like, oh, that's the most important thing, how I feel, right? And you think it's all wonderful because it's your body. Understand? It's my body. Oh, I've got to protect it and all that sort of thing. Just take it as prasad. If you eat food in the right spirit, Ishwara will see to it that that food is properly digested, that it gives you the energy you need, and that it doesn't create problems. It will. If you invoke Ishwara, Ishwara will put the chemicals into your system that are required to deal with that food. It's the way it works. That's why you pray, and you surrender the food to Ishwara. And you take it as a gift from Mishwar, because then that, that harmonizes your mind, huh? and then your body, your whole chemical system sorts out, and then the food's good. Understand? So accommodation, big value. Somebody comes along, and you say, <coughs> with me they all would say, because I'm a big cheese, you know, and they want to please me. And they think, you know, I respect me or whatever. So they say, what do you want? Or what, you know? And I say, no, it doesn't matter. Let, I'll accommodate you. What would be a good time for you to talk? People, people uh, want to Skype with me. I, I do Skype sessions with people. If they make a donation, I'll talk to you for an hour or so, whatever it is, help you solve your problem. And they'll ask, well, when's it convenient for you? And I'll say, well, at pretty much any time, what, what's convenient for you? Well, even though I'm probably busier than they are, but, I, but for me, it's a spiritual practice to try to accommodate people and give them what they want to make life easier for them. Understand? That's the whole point here about this accommodation. That's a commodious, that's a cultured person. That's a person with... Uh, 
cultivated good values. So, no, great spiritual value. And then he says here, it's very nice. I like what he, Swami Dayananda says. The key to accommodation is to respond to it and identify with the person, not to their actions. He said, understand that the person is the self tempor temporarily deluded by maya. Try to remember that Ishwar is behind an angry outburst, a fit of jealousy, or a domineering action, and appreciate the fact that if uh, th that 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 they have no control, that if they have no control, I have even less. In other words, there but for the grace of God go I. Hmm? I. I find myself in the same situation they're in from time to time. So why shouldn't I ha accommodate them? Why shouldn't I appreciate? Huh? Their, their issue, because I have the same issue. Understand? That's called dharma. Hmm? Thinking of other people. I'm not, more, I'm not less important, but I'm not more important than anybody else. That's the point. And it shows real class to what? Think of other people first, not just to think of me. That's, class, that's a classy person. Yeah, normal, you know, normal people are not necessarily classy. But a classy person can, can put off what they want to what? Serve other people. That's the idea. So if you want to be a saint, then this is at least a minimum requirement. Okay? Because <laughs> saints are people who accommodate everybody. That's the beauty of it. huh? They, they say, okay. What's your problem? They'll put down what they have and help you. It shows that they have confidence. It shows that they're secure. Well, that they can set aside what they're doing and serve you. It shows they have a sense of non-duality. Whereas if you can't accommodate, it means you're just stuck in the dualistic frame of mind. <coughs> and it's all either you or me. Well, it's all... Uh, this one's obvious, straightforward and truthfulness. They call it arjivam. Your, your thoughts and your words and your actions should be in line. <laughs> uh -huh. Should be lined up. If you're following the, I'm following the, the impeachment of Trump. And, and what he says and what he does are never the two say, the same things, ever. Hmm? Ever. He says one thing and does something else, and then he covers it up, he says something else. And then he changes his mind and said he didn't say it. Huh? Can you imagine how miserable that will make you? Huh? All, huh? You're just creating conflict for yourself and suffering for yourself. So, huh? <laughs> So when you speak, you should be straightforward. It should be uh, in line with what you think. But you need to be kind. You need, or diplomatic. You need to be, that's why they have diplomacy and manners. Diplomacy and manners are what? Are to what? Ways that you can communicate unpleasant information uh, to people without disturbing them. 
if you look at the societies nowadays, particularly America, although yours, Europe's much better than America, that the, 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 nobody's got manners. Very few people have manners every, anymore. People insult each other right and left. It's awful. It's just terrible. You know, and I've seen over the years, the last 50 years, I've just seen the whole civil discourse decline. People don't have any manners. Also in the media, huh? also when you read the papers. Oh, read the papers. My God. The fighting, the, the, huh? It's awful. Politics as Look, well. I mean, again, Trump's a great example of all the bad values. Because he just insults people. Huh? He just calls them bad names right out of the way. As soon, soon, soon as he doesn't like them, he just says something. He, he can't control himself. Understand? It's awful. Service to the teacher. This is not, now in Vedanta, you need to what? You need to serve the teacher. Now, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Scripture. Huh? Yeah, that means what? You need, need to. Yeah, you, you know, you, it's lovely for, for to bring, bring me a cup of tea or whatever it is. It's very nice if you put some money in the donation box because that keeps the teaching going and keeps me going. But what we want is that you keep your, the way you serve the teacher is by serving the teaching, and the way you serve the teaching is by what? By keeping your mind on the self, by doing your karma yoga, doing your yana yoga. That's the service we're talking about here. Huh? Now, in our tradition, a teacher has nothing to gain. We don't teach Vedanta if we have something to gain from teaching Vedanta. Because our motivations are clear. Our motivation is love of God. Because God has filled us, and we're full by, of God's love. And because we're full of God's love, we want to share the love with God, well, our love of God with you, because we know that the love of God is, is helpful. So, for you, so we don't have anything personally to gain by it, it's, it at all. So, uh, so that this is for for a person who wants uh, to develop themselves spiritually. You need to serve them with your energy, meaning your mind. Yeah, physical service is great, absolutely. But, but. Your mind should be engaged in devotional service uh, as, as much as it can. And that's going to please the teacher because that, what, that promotes the teaching and that what justifies the scripture uh, and that improves the society. So everybody benefits from this attitude. Cleanliness. External cleanliness, fine, but what? A transparent mind, a mind that has no secrets, is a clean mind. Narayan has got a clean mind. <laughs> yeah, he's honest. He's actually honest. He's actually says, you know, he's, he, he, I says, I don't do, I don't, I'm not grateful. Now, whoever said that in a karma yoga teaching? 
<laughs> Only an honest person will say that. Everybody else just listens. <laughs> but Narayana actually said, I'm not grateful. That's beautiful. That's honest. That's it's not a secret. He's not ashamed to say that. He's honest. We're ashamed to say it because we want we want everybody else to think what? That we're doing our you know, we're grateful for everything. Understand? So purity is transparency. It's not not trying to hide anything and cover up. Not huh? But being open and letting people see who you are. Not pushing it on them, but what? But just being natural. You're nobody's perfect here. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got warts. Stop trying to hide them. Shows you're ashamed of them. The bad stuff was given to you by Ishwar too. It's not your fault. So acknowledge it. When you acknowledge your vulnerability and your selfishness, uh, then you're 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 over it. <laughs> or at least you've got a you, you're beginning to actually grow. But if you keep denying and hiding that, how can you grow? So, so purity, cleanliness, physical cleanliness, of course. 